Welcome back to Oliver's Insights, part of the Simplifying Investing podcast series. It's great to have you here. Before we begin, a reminder that this podcast is general in nature and hasn't taken your circumstances into account. It's important you consider your personal circumstances and speak to a financial advisor before deciding what is right for you. Any general tax information is provided as a guide only. With that out of the way, here's Shane. Hello, g'day everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Oliver's Insights podcast, where we're going to talk about home prices. Of course, that's a hot topic along with interest rates lately. And of course, uh, as we all know, home price cycle has turned down. There's an old saying from Sir John Templeton, a well-known investor, that this time is different. Uh, he described as the four most dangerous words in investing. But there's good reason to believe that in relation to the current Australian home price downturn cycle, things will be different. Most assets, cash is an obvious exception, benefited from the downtrend in inflation and hence interest rates since the 1980s and are vulnerable to its reversal. While unlisted assets often lag listed assets, we've already seen share markets respond, they are nevertheless impacted and residential property particularly so as exposure to it is highly geared. This is very different to the start of the 1970s when household debt in Australia was relatively low for every $100 worth of average household after-tax income in Australia, there was about $40 worth of debt. Today, that ratio is $185 worth of debt to every $100 worth of income. So it makes it very different and makes the property market a lot more vulnerable because a lot of those people have taken on that debt on the assumption that interest rates will stay low, not continuously go up as they did in the 1970s. If you look at residential property price downturns over the last 25 years, they've mostly been pretty mild with prices falling less than 10%. They did come down 10% over the 2017-19 slump, but again, that was the worst of it. Previous downturns have been even milder, and typically after each of those slumps, interest rates fell to new lows and prices within a reasonable time went to new record highs. This cycle may be different, both in terms of being deeper and taking longer to recover thanks to a combination of high household debt levels and high home price to income levels. And an end, and this one's the key, an end to the long-term decline in interest rates that we've seen over the last 25, 30 years. To put things in a little bit of perspective and where we are right now, we've just seen August data released by CoreLogic and a few other suppliers. And of course, it basically shows that the property price downturn has continued nationally, Property prices fell by 1.6% on average, according to CoreLogic, in August. That's their fourth monthly decline in a row, and their fastest monthly decline since the early 1980s recession. After surging 29% between their pandemic low in September 2020 to their high in April, average property prices have now fallen 3.5%, which over a four-month period is actually comparable to declines going into the early 1980s and 90s recessions and into the early stage of the GFC. Prices also fell in Sydney by 2.3%, which city continues to lead the downturn. And we are now seeing prices in that city fall ever since they peaked earlier this year. And they're now down 7.4% from their high. In fact, we're now seeing seven of the eight capitals seeing declines in August. So we're seeing a broadening out in price declines. And also regional centres are now seeing falls as that initial impetus from working from home, going to the office less, uh, has started to recede and interest rate hikes have started to dominate. Now, what are the drivers of the fall? All pretty obvious. We've got rising mortgage rates. Obviously, that started with fixed rates going up a year ago, but now variable rates. We've got poor affordability. We've got a rotation in spending from goods like houses back to services, people going on holidays, 
cost of living pressures, making it harder to save for a deposit, higher listings and poor confidence. The property boom is well and truly over and the surge in mortgage rates has effectively pulled the rug out from under the property market. Now, I think to understand why this property cycle may be different, you really need to understand the long-term historical context. The past 100 years has seen a rising trend in real home prices, roughly in line with real economic growth in the economy. So, makes sense when you're investing in property, when you're buying property as an owner-occupier or investor, to take a long-term view. It will work out in the long term, just as it does with shares. Only thing is that we have gone through periods of very strong gains, particularly in the 1920s, the Roaring Twenties, the post-World War II period, and since the late 1990s. In between were weak periods in the 1930s, the Great Depression into World War II. I reckon that big slump in property prices we saw in around 1942 was due to the midget subs getting into Sydney Harbour and all the people in the eastern suburbs saying, we're out of here. They all moved off to barrel. And then of course, uh, only to see property prices take off again. And then of course, we saw a softer patch in the 1970s as property prices rose in line with inflation, but in real terms, they tracked sideways, but really didn't take off again until we got to the mid late 1990s. Now that boom over the last 25 years has seen real property prices rise from around 23% below their long-term average in the mid-1990s to currently, or most recently, about 26% above their long-term average. So we've gone from being very cheap to being very expensive. It's largely been driven by the shift from high interest rates to low interest rates and a surge in population relative to the supply of housing. Now, of course, if we look at the relationship between interest rates over the last, say, 40 years and home prices, what you see is that each time there's a spike in interest rates, you get a bit of a dip in home prices. But for the last 30 years, as interest rates then quickly fell again and proceeded to make new record lows, that's seen home prices go into new record highs. So for the last 30 years, you've seen a strong downtrend in interest rates, whether that's the cash rate, the mortgage rate, the variable mortgage rate or fixed rates, against a very strong upswing in property prices. Now, put simply, what's happened is the downtrend in interest rates between 1990 and I guess 2021 enabled home buyers to borrow more and hence pay more for homes pushing up prices. Now, of course, at the same time, you might say, well, lots of other countries around the world have had lower interest rates, but their home prices never got as expensive as in Australia. The difference also has been that we've had a poor dwelling supply response, particularly since the mid 2000s in response to strong population growth. So we've seen a shortage of housing. Now, of course, without the low interest rates, people wouldn't have been able to pay the higher prices anyway, and prices wouldn't have gone up as much despite that shortage. But you've seen those two factors working in tandem. And of course, it has led to a situation where property is less and less affordable. And it became self-feeding because rising home prices necessitated each new cohort of buyers coming into the market to take on more debt to buy a home. The end result has been progressively higher and higher home prices and debt relative to incomes. Looked at from purely an investment perspective, lower inflation drove lower interest rates, which in turn drove investors in search of higher yields. So they said, well, I'm not getting much on my bank deposit. I might as well put the money into property. That, of course, pushed down rental yields and as prices rose faster than rents. And in fact, if you look at the last 40 years, we've seen rental yields come down from around 8% or more to as low as just above 2% in the case of houses and a little bit higher in the case of units. So a massive decline in rental yields bit much like we've seen the decline in bond yields and the declining yields on other investments in response to low inflation and low interest rates. Now, of course, you can use this as a rough proxy for valuation of property. If you assume that rents are a good guide to the fundamental services provided by a dwelling for owner occupiers, you can get a rough guide 
to the extent to which the decline in interest rates has contributed to higher house prices over the last 25, 30 years. And my rough calculation is that over the last, uh, I guess since the early 1990s, we've had house price growth of which about 45% of it, almost a half of it has been accounted for by the shift from high interest rates to low interest rates. That's the rise in house prices relative to rents in excess of rents. You can do a similar analysis for shares, but basically what it shows is that the decline in interest rates, the decline in inflation has led to a change in valuations and seen asset prices rise far quicker than the fundamental underlying value or income that those assets provide. So bottom line there is that very roughly speaking, since the 1980s, home prices would have risen at a rate which would have been about 3% lower were it not for the shift from high interest rates to low interest rates. So pulling all of that together, there's three things that I think will make this property downturn different. The first one is that we're starting from a point of very high home price to income ratios. This is not like the mid 1990s when Australian property was still cheap relative to incomes. We've now got very expensive property relative to incomes. Even when they come down, they're still gonna be expensive. It's gonna take a long time to get back to where we were 30 years ago. Similarly, going in parallel with that, we're starting from much higher household debt to income ratios than we were back then with less scope for a further increase. And finally, the long-term downswing in interest rates that got underway from 17% in 1989 to 2% fixed rates more recently, which enabled new buyers to borrow and pay more, borrow more and pay more for property and drove strong investor search for yield demand is likely over. The world is now more inflation prone, with globalization going in reverse, increased defense spending, decarbonization, bigger government. So a return to the near zero cash rate and 2% fixed rates looks most unlikely. So you're not gonna see that quick return, let alone any return, I think, uh, to those very low interest rates, in turn pushing house prices quickly to new record highs. The long-term bull market in property prices from the 1990s was underpinned by a shift from low to high home prices, a similar shift in household debt, and a long-term downtrend in interest rates. These have all likely run their course. I think we're seeing the combination of not just a cyclical slump in property prices, but also a weakening in the long-term trend in property prices. And that, I think, will result in a deeper fall in prices and a slow recovery through this cycle. So what are our expectations? We haven't really changed. We're still expecting a 15 to 20% top to bottom fall in property prices of which we've done three and a half percent. Sydney will probably be at the high end of that looking at a 20% decline in Sydney and it's done almost seven and a half percent. So you could argue it's one third of the way through. However, we do expect property prices to bottom out sometime probably around the September quarter next year, soon after interest rates top out and with interest rate cuts starting to come into sight. But for the reasons we've gone through in this podcast, we think the recovery in prices will be slower than seen in past cycles. Now, what are the risks to all of this? Now, we are assuming that the cash rate peaks below 3%, probably around 2.6%. If alternatively, the money market is right and cash rates rise to 4%, that's gonna see obviously a near doubling in interest rates from where they are as I speak, um, which will add a lot, lot more to mortgage rates. In fact, it will see more than a doubling in household interest payments relative to incomes and push total mortgage repayments, that's uh, debt plus debt repayments uh, plus interest payments to record highs relative to incomes and likely drive a 30% or so fall in prices. So that's the big risk here, that interest rates go up a lot more than we expect and driving a bigger fall in prices. The resilience of spending in the economy to date to rate hikes so far suggests that there is a risk the Reserve Bank could end up over-tightening and taking rates higher. So that's certainly a risk to watch out for. What are the risks going the other way on the upside? There's a couple. The first one would be if inflation quickly subsides, allowing the Reserve Bank to soon start easing, 
that looks unlikely. The second would be a rapid rebound in immigration, exacerbating the shortage of housing evident in very tight rental markets. Well, that one's possible. And we're seeing more and more talk, uh, for example, in the recent Jobs and Skills Summit about allowing a period of faster immigration to make up for skill shortages. So that's certainly a risk there. But bottom line is that I think we've come into a cyclical downswing in the property market that will be deeper compared to past cycles. The support from low interest rates probably won't be there to the same degree it has been over the last 25 years. So the downturn will probably be deeper and the upswing will be a lot slower. Now, of course, that is probably good news for those wanting to get in the property market because the time it takes to save for a deposit won't be as much as it has been in the past. But this does not change the issues around housing affordability. Housing affordability will still be poor in Australia. There is still an urgent need to increase the supply of housing relative to demand driven by things like population growth. And I think that should remain an ongoing focus, even though this cycle for house prices may be deeper and slower to recover than has been in past cycles. So I hope that's been of interest. Adios, until we meet again. Thank you. Now to stay up to date from Dr. Oliver and the Simplifying Investing podcast series more broadly, be sure to subscribe on your favourite streaming platform. That way, you'll never miss an episode. We'll be back soon, but before we go, a quick reminder that all topics discussed today are general in nature and haven't taken your personal circumstances into account. It's important you consider taking tailored financial advice that is relevant to your own situation before making any important financial decisions.